Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you've found the place where we talk about all things horses. I hope your summer is going well. Bakersfield has been hot. There were and are many fires burning in California. We've been lucky enough to avoid the fires, but the smoke was everywhere for a few weeks. The air quality was too poor to work a horse, so they got a little break. In early spring, I heard of a Tom Hagwood clinic hosted by the Broken Arrow Ranch. Tom, a well-known trainer of Mustangs, has won many competitions, including the Mustang Millions. I signed up the day they announced the clinic. Early in August, a friend suggested I talk to Laura Snell. Laura is a farm advisor in Modoc County, located in the northeastern part of California, and home to the Devil's Garden Herd Management Area. Talking about the Devil's Garden Mustangs would be good prep for the clinic. I spoke with Laura in late August. Laura is a wealth of knowledge about these horses, who they're managed by, and the condition of their habitat. The horses sound like they're well-built, good-minded, and trainable. As a matter of fact, I include a brief interview with Tom Hagwood and his wife Arianne about their thoughts on the Devil's Garden horses. Here's my conversation with Laura Snell via Skype about the Devil's Garden Horses. I'm Laura Snell. I'm the Livestock and Natural Resources Advisor and County Director for Modoc County Cooperative Extension. Uh, Modoc County is up in the northeast corner of California, bordering Oregon and Nevada. So Modoc County is actually over 70% public land. Oh, wow. And then the, the rest, 30%, is primarily ranches. I think, what are we, it's like 8% urban. So we are primarily drier, uh, sage step kind of ecosystem as well. And so this time of year, we've got a lot of dry fuels, both grasses and brush, and then, you know, juniper type trees. And so a lot to light on fire, I guess. And about how much rainfall do you get a year? Oh, 12, 13 inches. That's less than I would have thought. Yeah, not much. One of the projects that I work on quite a bit is research and management of the Devil's Garden wild horse herd that's here on the Devil's Garden Plateau that is uh, Modoc National Forest land. Is your position a state position or a federal position? State position. So I work for the University of California Cooperative Extension. Is that an official herd management area that is supposed to be administered by the BLM, which is federal? So wild horses are actually controlled by multiple agencies. The BLM gets you know most of the credit because they have most of the horses. Mm-hmm. But the Devil's Garden is located on U.S. Forest Service land, and it's the largest wild horse herd that the Forest Service manages in the country. Oh, wow. About how many horses are on that land? So there's somewhere between two and 2,500 horses that are out there. Um, at their MAC, a few years ago, they reached almost 4,000 horses. Oh, my God. And they did a management plan in 2013, which established the appropriate management level to 206 to 402 horses. Goodness gracious. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a few. <laughs> um, so, 
So in 2018, they were able to do a thousand head gather Mm -hmm. uh, and they gathered just shy of that. And, and so that was a huge help in getting our population lower. Uh, since then, we've had some litigation issues that have limited the population roundups to about 500 horses a year. We are concerned that that number may not be enough to even decrease the population, you know, like that we're taking off about as many horses that are, are foaling each year. Right. And so we're trying to kind of increase those numbers, but we also don't want to jeopardize at least taking 500 off either, because even that's, you know, somewhat helpful. Let's talk a little bit about the Devil's Garden horses. Where did they come from? So the Devil's Garden horses are all from local ranches around this area. Many of the horses were bred to be used in the U.S. Calvary. And it was a very popular horse herd to take horses from that were that were used for cavalry and military operations. And then we also have a lot of draft blood horses out there as well that were turned out after the mechanization of farming. Mm-hmm. So the horses have roughly an 120 to 140 year history on the Devil's Garden. And they were put out there to graze and then not gathered. And then, you know, also the change in our history from using, you know, horses as primary transportation to, you know, having, you know, different mechanization of both agriculture and transportation. Do the Devil's Garden horses, do they have a certain personality profile? I would say definitely yes. In general, we find that the Devil's Garden wild horses, and I think it partially has to do with the draft blood that's in them, are a a mellower horse than a lot of these ones we're taking off other areas. So I have a Devil's Garden wild horse myself. She came to me at 13 years of age, and she adapted extremely well to being at our home in the corrals, eating from my hands. She fold at our house shortly after we got her home. And in general, people comment about the kind demeanor of the Devil's Garden wild horses. Mm. You know, it's not to say that they are, you know, 100% like that, but by and large, they tend to have, you know, that, that just kinder demeanor about them. They're easy to please. I think that, you know, like they really want to to please the people that I know that that train quite a few of them is that they really want to please you. And and I think I think there's a lot of truth to that. And some of the other qualities that we tend to really like about them as well is they're they're stockier horses. So they're pretty big boned, but they also are very sure-footed having been living out there, you know, on a a lava cap. And so, you know, they're used to being out there on, you know, these kind of sagebrush step, dry, lava type, you know, rough environment. And I had always heard that you didn't have to shoe a wild horse, but like, I don't even have, I trim my horse's hooves just once a year because she keeps them so trim and I think it's a lot of that, you know, that history of being on the garden. And you mentioned earlier that Modoc County is 80% public land? 
A little over 70%. It's somewhere between 72 and 73% public land. Yeah. And how much of that area, how much of that 80% are the Devil's Garden horses on? So the Devil's Garden Wild Horse Territory is roughly 250,000 acres. And the horses have expanded well outside of that reach to over 500,000 acres. As you can imagine, with, you know, a significant increase in population from, you know, that two to 400 is what the target is. And we're several thousand to two and a half thousand. Those horses have spread out throughout the national forest land, but then also onto private land and tribal lands as they've searched for food and territory. That's amazing is that there's that many horses out there. I'm trying to calculate in my head, how much would that horse herd grow just naturally if you left it alone? So we have data on how this herd has grown for about the last 40 years, a little bit longer than that. And we are finding that they grow at a population of 20 to 25 percent a year. And the Devil's Garden horse herd is is closer to that 25 percent. So you're talking about that, you know, it's doubling every four years without management. The other thing about the wild herd, herd management is, well, you've got so many in that herd that things like PZP, the, the birth control method, that would just be incredibly cost prohibitive. So PZP is, is cost prohibitive at this point because of the number of horses we have. It's also prohibitive because of the remoteness of the Devil's Garden. Um, primarily areas where they're able to use PZP are in more the wide open spaces like you think of in um, Wyoming or Nevada. The mm-hmm. Devil's Garden Plateau is primarily treed with juniper trees and it's very thick. I can go to some of the springs I monitor and I'll walk, you know, a half a mile out to these springs and you'll be going through the trees and all of a sudden you'll have a horse and then you'll see three or four more horses and they're 25 feet from you. And so you can't really set up to be able to dart horses because you have a lot of trees out there blocking your view of the animals, which makes it really difficult to identify which animal you're targeting with the PZP, but it's also difficult to, you know, sneak up on them and then stay close to them so that you can monitor different band groups. I talked to someone a few years back that was using PCP in her herd in Colorado, but she had a notebook. So she knew every one of these mares and stallions by sight, she had photographs of them, and she could track which ones she had darted last year. With twenty five hundred horses, you just can't you can't keep track of that many horses. Too many horses. It is up to the public then to try to adopt whatever horses are available, and then it's up to you guys to try and gather them and shrink the herd. So it's the Modoc National Forest. So it's the United States Forest Service that actually contracts for the Roundup. And then there's a pretty robust partnership here between Cooperative Extension, the Farm Bureau, Modoc County, and many private individuals that help get these horses adopted, placed, 
trained. We've had a, we've had several different training programs. And so I really believe that those local partnerships is what has made our program successful in getting our horses placed. Uh, you had emailed me about one of the uh, competitions where young people were getting to use to gentle the horses. Yeah. So this last year, we had our first Devil's Garden Colt Challenge, and we invited youth in 4-H and FFA to take home a weanling from the 2019 gather. So these were horses that were five to maybe eight months old, and they did ground gentling with these horses and then came back and competed for $2,500 in cash and then an additional about $1,000 worth of prizes. And it was a great opportunity. We had 20 youth from Modoc, Siskiyou, and Lassen counties that came and took these horses home and then, and then competed on their ground gentling skills. And it was, it was a great program. And we are really excited to do it again this next year. Very cool. Yeah, what a great experience to, for the youngsters to go through that. You also mentioned that the BLM, when they adopt a horse out, they have very strict requirements on what you can do with that horse. You can't sell the horse for so many years, and they're about $150 from the BLM. But the United States Forest Service has a different program. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. The program that the Forest Service is using is available in the BLM as well, but the Forest Service has chose to to use this program more than the adoption program. So in the adoption program, you adopt a horse for $125, and then you don't get title to that horse for a year. So that means you're kind of taking care of the horse, and you have to you have to wait for that title. Um, One of the other options that's available for wild horses is that horses that are 10 and older in age can be sold with limitations. Horses that have also been offered for adoption three times, so they're under 10, but they've um, gone to an adoption event or they've been through some kind of adoption process, those horses can also be sold with limitations. And so what the Forest Service has done is those horses, after they've been offered for adoption, or if they're older horses, they're offered for sales with limitations for $25. And after 30 days of being offered at $25, they can be sold for as little as $1. And limitations means a lot of things. It means that those horses cannot go to slaughter and you have to sign paperwork that attests that you will not knowingly sell that horse to slaughter. But it also means that on your application to buy that horse, you still have to draw what your facility looks like. Talk about where you're getting your hay, where is your veterinarian, you know, those same things that you have to fill out on your BLM paperwork. And at the end of the day, the Double Devil Corral staff outside of Alturas here can decide if they don't want you to purchase that animal. And they do look at that criteria and make sure that they feel comfortable before selling a horse. And so it's, it's not a completely free process in terms of protocol, 
but the process has allowed people to buy horses from the Double Devil Corrals to train them and to to sell them as cutting horses and ranch horses and you know all these other things and kind of promoting the idea that Devil's Garden Wild Horses are working horses. They have always been working horses and that we want to continue that legacy. And if you had to keep a horse for a full year before, you know, having title to it, that that might be difficult for you if you were trying to make money as a horse trainer. Right. Right. How many horses are in the Double Devil Corral right now? So the idea with the Double Devil Corral is that they place all the horses in the corral in one year before the next gather. So they started with about 350 last year after the gather. And I think they have like 15 right now. And we are getting ready to gather, you know, next month. And so they're trying to place those last few horses. That's awesome. Well, that's mm-hmm. you're doing some great work there, Laura. I appreciate it. The BLM does take some Devil's Garden Wild horses every year, and those horses are primarily available at the Litchfield Corrals um, in Northern California, North of Reno. Mm-hmm. And and so there are you know somewhere between 100 and 150 horses that were available last year. I'm not sure how many they have left right now. And then they will take about that many horses again this year. So people can get horses that way through the BLM as well if they'd like to go through some of the new programs that BLM has, like the, you know, we'll pay you $1,000 to take a horse program that they, they just rolled out this last year. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. And so our goal was to not overlap with BLM programs because they have some great programs out there too. And so Devil's Garden Horses are available through both agencies and a variety of programs. Any contact information about the Double Devil Corral? We have several Facebook groups that are fantastic. One is called Fall in Love with a Devil's Garden Wild Horse. And then the Double Devil Wild Horse Corrals also has a Facebook page where they are posting their available horses and they update it really fairly frequently. So those are two really great options. And the contact information, the email and uh, the phone number are are on those pages. Well, this has been very interesting. I appreciate you taking time. I know you got a lot of things going on up there in Northern California, all the fires happening and stuff. But I do appreciate you taking time out to talk about the Devil's Garden Wild Horses. Well, thank you for helping us educate the public and find great homes for these horses. So we're with uh, Tom and Arianne Hagwood. Uh, Tom, did you train a Devil's Garden horse? Uh, Just recently, we had a client come from Nevada. Her name is Leah Earle. She came up from Reno, Nevada. She had a Devil's Garden colt to start. She spent, what, a week with us? Yeah. So she spent a week with us, and uh, we put one of her horses in the two-ring. We started this colt for her, and it was the Devil's Garden colt. Of course, she had it halter broke and, and nice that way. She kind of had some handling on this horse, so uh, it, it wasn't fresh from the corral. Right. So this horse had had a little time in groundwork. When we got the horse in, we went through our program. 
we found this horse to be very nice to train. Now, again, this horse had been gentled quite a bit. And Leah did a beautiful job of getting this horse quiet and handling on the ground. So that made our job a lot easier. And then we started this horse. We put this horse through the program. Day one, we saddled and yes. and we're preparing the horse to be rode. Day two and and right on, we rode. What was she with us? Four days? Five, I believe. Five days? Yeah. She rode the horse uh four out of the five days. So yeah, the horse prepared really well, started really well, and we liked him. Uh, he was real good looking, he was sensible. Uh, every Yeah, he seemed like he'd have a lot of feel. And then the way he was built, he seemed real balanced and proportionate. We mm -hmm. thought he'd be the kind of horse that could really go do about any kind of job. We I think really the horse had a lot of natural stop. Mm -hmm. Like that horse you're riding today, mm -hmm. a lot of natural stop. I think this horse had a lot of natural he stop. He moved real pretty. Yep. And he just strong, real. like wasn't the kind that would break down, you know. You know, we put him through our, our round pen program and, and our checking up the way we do. And, and this horse maintained, had a soft, beautiful feel and just would trot around our indoor Leah riding it. And she did all the riding. We didn't ride. We just got her set up for success, and she did the work. And great. and it was great. Leah did a beautiful job. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. for thanks for talking to me. You thank you. Anytime, John. It was a great weekend too. Yeah. Thank you. That will do it for another episode. Thanks to Laura Snell for finding time to educate us on the Devil's Garden herd management area and the horses that live there. If you're considering a Mustang, I'll have links to the Double Devil Corrals and their Facebook pages, all listed on woepodcast.com. If you have a Devil's Garden horse, I would love to hear about that too. Thanks to Tom and Ariane Hagwood for not only an informative clinic, but for taking a few moments to tell us their thoughts on the Devil's Garden horses they've seen. I like to keep my plate full with a variety of projects, and right now is no exception. Scratch and I are working on the principles we learned in the recent clinic to prepare for two upcoming ranch riding shows. Renee and I are trying to complete the virtual Tevis 100-mile ride. I'm taking a motion graphic class to learn more about video production for my YouTube channel. Have you seen that yet? Check it out. And while my plate is full, my production schedule for the podcast is a bit in flux. The best way to know when I release an episode is to subscribe on whatever service you find our podcast. Remember, they're all free. Wopodcast.com is the place you can find all our episodes. There are well over 200 in the library now. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and we recently were notified that we're now on Amazon Music. It would be great to hear about your horse. Do you have a story to tell? Consider sharing your story with us. My email is john at wopodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Podcast. Share a few photos of you having fun with your horse. I just love seeing that. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast. Please stay safe. So until next time, for Renee, this is John Harris saying, go have some fun with your horses.
Bye-bye, everybody.